You're listening to Women in World War II, a novel experience, hosted by me, Anna Parker Naples. I'm taking you through the journey of writing and publishing my first historical novel, focusing on the history of women at home in Britain, the Bletchley Park girls, the factory girls, the Wrens, the Wafts and the Land girls. I'll be sharing with you the challenges of the research, the learning and the writing struggles as I celebrate with you the women at home in Britain in the 1940s. Right at the start of this podcast, I want to share with you why this topic that I'm delving into over the next months and years, however long it takes to bring this to fruition, why this subject matters to me and my interest in World War II. I mentioned to you in the previous episode that I had taken part in a history project, a a performance piece at, at Bletchley Park, which is only a short distance from my home. And that had reignited for me my passion for researching characters with all sorts of intricate details in their social history. Now, that journey for me started when I was 16, when I was cast in a production, a local production of Anne Frank as the lead. And I was fascinated by the impact of the war and the, again, the personal elements of what happens to individuals when they're under duress, when they're under stress. And I I realised that I was actually fairly ignorant of much of what happened in the war. I might have had an overview of the politics and the horrendous genocide that occurred. And I was aware of what was happening on the battlefields and the the blood, the guts, the gore, the glory to some extent. But what I had no knowledge of was what that pervading fear was like for individuals. And it began to really pique my interest in two things. One, what the war was really like for women, what women's experiences really were like through history. And two, the way that people lived their lives throughout history. What were the details of their life? What impacted the decisions that they made? Not long after that production, I began to audition for drama school. In my mind, the only thing I ever wanted to do was be on stage. I was never interested in TV or being on camera. I really just wanted the gravitas and the presence of telling a story in a present moment and the use of words. I was really into Shakespeare, Ibsen, Chekhov, the very deliberate, intentional use of words. And when I didn't get a place, I auditioned all over the country, but I didn't end up getting a place that I wanted at drama school. Interestingly, I did get lots of places on very high profile drama degrees, but I didn't want to do that. I actually wanted to be at drama school. I didn't do very well in my A-levels, despite being predicted A's and A-stars, which was a bit of a crush to the soul, given that I just found out the week before that I wasn't going to RADA after reaching the last round of auditions. And so at that point, I believed that I was actually a bit of a failure, that I'd let myself down, that I wasn't as intelligent and capable of writing and performing as I thought I was. And I decided, with quite a lot of encouragement from my family, to take a place through clearing. 
And I was fairly determined that if I couldn't go to drama school, I wasn't going to do a drama degree. I was going to do something much more literary and proper in inverted commas. So I actually went on to do a degree that was was at Manchester Metropolitan and it was a a hybrid degree in the humanities department. We could kind of pick and choose, but at the end, depending on which courses we'd taken, which modules we'd done, we could have a full English literature degree or a full history degree or a full language degree. And I actually came out with what is titled an English literature degree, However, a large bulk of the course was actually social history and particularly women's history from the beginning of the 19th century right up to the beginning of the Second World War. And the texts that we we'd studied in minute detail within the English and literature components of the course backed that up as well. So I had this very rich experience of women's social history, particularly, how that showed up in literature, how that showed up in theatre, and the impact, actually, of the concept of empire on that period. We looked in detail at things like the slave trade. We looked in detail at things like prostitution and education or lack of around sex education and venereal disease. We looked at philanthropy and all sorts of fascinating things. What kinds of foods were available to people, what that meant for them, the poor law. I loved it. I absolutely loved learning about that stuff. And when I get into something, when I get into a topic, I totally geek out on it. If you listen to any of my business podcasts, you will know when I do something, I tend to do it properly. So I'm sure that I was fairly annoying in my university seminars. I can remember many of them. A lot of the students actually weren't terribly academic and like me had come through clearing and weren't necessarily that interested in learning. And unfortunately, that wasn't the most positive experience from my university time. However, it allowed me to follow things that I was really passionate about. And I'll be honest, one of the main reasons I chose Manchester was because It was far enough away from home, but that I could get home on the train if I needed to, to have that freedom that I craved at age 18. The other thing was that there was a lot of drama and theatre going on in Manchester. And that still was the most important thing to me. I got heavily involved in working backstage for various theatres, in wardrobe, as a front of house manager, all sorts of things connected with theatre. And actually at the university, I ended up becoming the chairman of the Drama Society and taking a production to Edinburgh for the first time when I was just 19. So history has always been an important part of my life, except that it was always with a view to how would I present this on stage? What would I do with this? As I then developed my career and later went to drama school, I was so absorbed in some of the incredible plays that we worked on. I'm a huge lover of Chekhov, Ibsen, all sorts of those classics in that theatre canon, if you like. 
And whenever we studied them, again, I would go the extra mile with the research because it really made me tick. What were the women wearing? How were they feeling? Why were they feeling that way? What was the expectation on them? So that's always been a part of my life. And then as an actor as well, that is how I would embody a character. That's how I would do my research. I wasn't, it wasn't just a question of what lines were on the page for me. I wanted to understand the the life of that person so that I could flesh them out and bring them onto the stage. Now, when I had children, my first child particularly, I took a break from performing and that was hard for me because I felt like I stepped away from a lot of my identity. And about eight years ago, so my youngest would have been, he would have been about three at the time, I saw that locally there were being advertised auditions for an immersive theatre piece at Bletchley Park, which is not that far away from me. I'd kept up my subscriptions to various ways that you could find out about acting jobs, but nothing really fit with my lifestyle and my commitments to my children. But because this was literally five miles up the road, I had an inkling I might be able to make it work. And I can remember it was the first weekend after Christmas. And I thought for a long time that I would really love to try getting my hair in victory rolls. Uh, the amazing, beautiful style that many women in the 1940s dressed their hair in. And there's a whole history as to why they did that. But there was the very first time I'd done it and I really kitted myself out for this this audition, which was very much an immersive theatre experience in itself. We had to walk in as the character, be interviewed as the character. And when I was offered that position, when I was offered that project, I was so pleased because it gave me an ability to come back to myself. By this point, I was a really well-established voiceover artist and I'd had a recovery from being disabled for a while. So my confidence had been knocked. And because this was up the road, it felt doable with my family situation. And I absolutely loved it. We researched so much about the women who lived at Bletchley Park, the Wrens, the Waffs, the debutantes. And the more research that we were doing to create our own characters, to really embody what their history was, where they'd come from, what their expectations had been like at the beginning of the war, I kept coming across some first-hand testimonies that had been written that showed that many of them had lived in Leighton Buzzard and Heath and Reach, which is my village. And this really piqued my interest. I felt that I had a real connection to what we were creating there. And when that finished, that play, it was an immersive piece. So we were situated in some of the war rooms there. And as guests, people wouldn't necessarily know we were there. And then we would go into a monologue, essentially. And some of them were scripted, some weren't. But we'd done so much research that we knew the shape of the piece and we would be moving around sort of every 20 minutes and then we'd have a break. I uh, loved it. It was great. If you've never been engaged in any immersive theatre, I would really recommend that you go and find something local. It's a fascinating way. And particularly if a local museum is doing something like that. Around the same time, I had brought together some other local professional actors who, many of which were mothers, to create and devise a project. And we actually went on to create something around the suffragettes. And I'm going to say on this topic that 
too many cooks spoiled the broth and it didn't work out in the most positive way that I would have liked. Although we did create a piece that we took essentially on tour. We performed it at the Camden Festival in London. We performed it at a a theatre in Bedford. We had all sorts of historians connected with suffragettes and the suffragists who were interested in our work. But sadly, artistic differences is the term I'm going to use. We didn't end up pursuing any of those. And for a long time, I felt quite bitter that I wasn't ready to create. However, as I completed that Bletchley Park project, I had in the back of my mind that instead of working on a devised project, what I would like to do is somehow find a way to take the information I'd learnt at Bletchley Park and potentially bring it into the audio work that I was becoming really well known for. At the time, I was doing quite a lot of audio drama and audio books. So I was thinking that maybe I could write a radio play and I went and did a course on how to write a radio play and then how to get it pitched and commissioned. Around the same time as I was considering this, I really fell in love with Home Front, which was a big project by Radio One that celebrated the home front in World War One. And this almost felt like it was my idea for World War One. And it was that amazing way that projects you're interested in, suddenly someone else is already doing it. And so that put me off creating it as a radio play, but I loved the journey of that. And I managed to wangle an audition for it. I actually auditioned for three separate parts, but it wasn't to be. And at that point, actually, my entrepreneurial business really took off and I went in a very different direction. About six months after that project at Bletchley Park had completed, someone somehow reached out to me to say, Anna, did you know that there's been a book released about Leighton Buzzard in the Second World War? And a lot of it is about what happened here. And I sort of dismissed it at the time. I'd moved on. I was focusing heavily on my business. But this book at the time was only available in local bookshops and it had been put together by the local history society. And I happened to come across a copy in, it was actually in the local wool shop when I was going to go and buy some wool for my mother-in-law to knit me a cardigan. And I just, I just happened to purchase it. And when I did, I had a quick flick through. And what really struck me was that some of the images were of places that were really significant to my life. There were images of street that I grew up on, literally almost outside my door in the place I grew up but before the houses were built. There were pictures of Gossard's factory, which I had had one of my first jobs in when I was 15 and I worked in until I was 17. There were pictures of my school that I I went to that's in the high street, which I absolutely loved that building. I loved that school. And I knew that it was steeped in history. Most particularly, it was the building that Mary Norton had the idea for the borrowers in. There were things, the high street, the country house up the road, where as children, we had been involved in sports activities that later got turned into a nursing home. There were pictures of some of the villages, some of the buildings on the villages around the town I grew up in that I was still living in now, that were places where as 
a young woman between the ages of 16 and 21 when I was on university or school holidays, I would work as a chambermaid, these big country houses. And I was seeing that there's a story about the war connected with all of these places. And it was really intriguing to me. I took the book home and the first part of the book was about some of the political history and the military operations that were happening in my town that I had absolutely no knowledge of. And I thought, well, as an intelligent, interested person, how can I not know that this was going on literally on my doorstep? How do I not know this? How were we not educated on this? And the reason was that because so many of the activities were so secret and RAF Leighton Buzzard, which later became RAF Stanbridge, needed it to be kept secret for so much longer than what happened at Bletchley Park because they were involved with think planning and operations to do with the Cold War, this had stayed under wraps. And so it felt like new knowledge that not enough people knew about. And I could see as I started to read this book that there was something of national importance here. And as I read that book, there was something that really stuck out for me and I couldn't get it out of my mind. And that was that this young girl who was 18, and she was from my village, was hit by an incendiary, one of the very first that was that hit a civilian in the UK, as she was out walking. And it really hit home with me because it showed that she had been featured in the Leighton Buzzard Observer, our local newspaper, who often have written stories about me from the age of about 16 until my life now as I write books or produce new podcasts or as the business grows or we win awards. And she'd been featured in the LBO just a few months before because she had she had rescued a very young child out of the canal in Old Lindslade, which is very close to where I live. And it felt that this experience was so close that it was kind of over there was a history that was so close to me and yet I knew nothing of it and I I really felt at some point that I was going to do something with it it no longer felt that a radio play would be enough and I was thinking actually I'd love to make this into a book or into a series and I don't know enough yet about screenplay writing to be able to do that but what I do know about is well written books and stories that focus on individual women's experiences. And that's what I want to bring out in this story that I'm putting together. So it is a fiction that I'm writing about World War II. And I want to create an environment where the town is equally important to the characters. Now, that's a challenge. How do we take all of the research but tell an emotional story that connects the readers? And so over the last eight years, since I finished up that project at Bletchley Park, this has sat in the back of my mind. And recently, as I have, I've had tremendous success with my business, but I've started to think, well, what next? What is around the corner for me? And realising as I hit my mid-40s that if I want to have created something in 10 years' time, well, the time to start is now. And I decided that if I was going to do this book properly, I would commit to 
learning from the best rather than doing just a quick online course. I wanted to have a community of people who were on this journey with me. And that's some of what I'll be sharing on this podcast. But hopefully that's given you an overview as to why I'm delving into this topic and I think why why it matters to me personally, but also that there is a national story. There are two. One is about the the incredible activities that were happening here that enabled Bletchley Park to win the war. I actually think that the technology that was being used in my town and in the satellite areas around it was so fundamental to what was going on in the war that that story needs to be told. And also, the more I looked into women's experiences in World War II, there really isn't that much in the wider sphere about normal women, not the ones who got the chance to go and be a spy, not the ones who got the chance to fly a spitfire, but the women who were living real lives. And that's what interests me. I hope you'll stick with me on this journey. I don't know how this podcast is going to go. But I know that I want to infuse in you and share with you my own excitement and curiosity for the history of our forebears, of our grandmothers, and how that affected what we do today. I have a maxim on my first podcast, Entrepreneurs Get Visible, that is anything's possible when you get visible. And actually behind that is that anything is possible. And I, I think that what happened for the women in World War II, what happened in the country in World War II, enabled so much change. And yet we forget and we don't celebrate it. We don't glorify it. And I, I want to bring a piece of that to you. If you want to reach out to me, I'd love to hear from you that you've listened to this episode over on Instagram at Anna Parker Naples. Just let me know you've had a little listen to this podcast. Maybe put WW2 so that I know, as I do have a few different podcasts for business. This is a passion project and one I think that I'm going to relish every moment of. And I want to bring you on that journey with me. Thank you for listening to Women in World War II, a novel experience. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I would love to hear from you. So reach out to me on Instagram at Anna Parker Naples. Let's make sure we celebrate these incredible women at home in Britain in World War II.